Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Episode 690. Happy Thursday. We're going to do part two today with Coach. Um, uh, before we do that, I'd like to just give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, um, the most innovative game-like training system on the market. Um, you know, I just, it's, it's great. There's a reason they, they, like I've said this week, there's a reason they, uh, they sponsor our podcast and a reason we own two of them. So go over and check them out. Mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off your next purchase. Also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is Netflix for basketball coaches, but better because you get my email address, you get my phone number, we get to talk on a regular basis. So go over and check that out and let me know if you have any questions on anything that we're doing. Um, and let's head off to the podcast. Sometimes I'll even have them run out and do our, you know, our warm up we do before a game. It's like, let, we're going to have practice today, but here's how we're going to do it. It's just a unique way to kind of like, what is coach crazy? It's like, well, no, we're still going to do the same stuff. It's just how right. I'm breaking it up. You know, it's like giving them a little different twist, but I love the yeah, time off. You've got to be creative. You know, I think that you know, bas- college basketball season, especially it's you know, almost five months on the court, so four hard. months on the court. So you got to be creative in how your ways. I mean, you know, we don't, we've got a ton of different things that we've done over the course of time that I've seen other coaches do um, different, you know, refocus things, competitive things, you know, whether it's something like lighthearted, we certainly do a lot to, to re-engage. There's a lot to learn every day. Oh, it's crazy. And as a team. All right. Anything else? I have a bunch of questions for you too. So if you have time. Um, no, that, I mean, that pretty much covers what our, you know, basic, you know, everything looks like pretty much. I, I'm, I'm happy to uh, answer some questions for sure. Okay. So, so what do you think the biggest change you've seen in the game is? In, I think or, with, that, or with players. I think that the biggest change in the game that I've seen over the course of my career is, and I think everybody will say this, so I'm not going to touch on how the generation is different and how the kids are different. I think that's an easy one. I think the use of perimeter play and the focus on perimeter play has certainly become bigger and for different coaches that style of play is great I but I think that at the at the high school levels where it's where you don't have a necessarily not every coach has a strategy 
you'll see some players who will come into our gym and their coaches let them jack up threes and they're not even a 20% shooter. Right. And I'm like, well, what do you, you just took that shot eight times in practice. You haven't made one. Well, you know, that's coach tells me to shoot it all the time. Coach isn't here anymore. Right. You need to go to the basket. And I think that whole, I think the good coaches always preach it, but the whole shoot your way out. That's what I tell my kids. If you're in a slump, shoot your way out, right. go to the rack, get a layup. Can't get a layup, get a foul. Hold the ball at the foul line for a couple seconds. Enjoy that feeling of having the basketball. Take a free throw. Take another one. Get a little rhythm to what you're doing. So I think the perimeter game at the lower levels has become like high school and, and middle school has become like, you know, just jack them up. And I think that that has affected some players coming in who maybe they're hoisting shots up from their waist or their, you know, their shot form is they haven't nailed down the mid range or, or don't even have a left hand, but they can shoot free throws. Right. Shoot. Well, yeah. And the loss of the mid range, I think the, I think the loss of the mid range is going to swing back to be honest with you. I tell my son, I said, that's a, everyone's going to the rim and everyone's shooting threes. I said, if you get a mid range, you will get open shots because people are giving those. I mean, but it has to be like you're shooting a layup. I mean, it has to be like you're hitting it 60% of the time. But if you work on that part of the game, it's just lost. You know, when you watch like the last dance with Michael Jordan, he's shooting mid ranges a lot. And he's, you, you know what he's doing? Watch, watch. I went back and watched some of his old games. He used the backboard a lot. A 100%. Lot, a lot. I mean, I tell, my, I tell my point guard all the time, like, watch Mike Bibby. Guy made a living from mid-range, hitting mid-range shots. And I know yeah. that right now it's, you know, a little bit of lost art. I know that some of our guards will come in and they'll they'll take like a 12-foot floater or something ridiculous. And I'm like, why, why not just pull up and shoot the mid-range? And it's because they're not comfortable with the shot. So we, that's why in our five-minute shooting and in a lot of our shooting drills, we'll take one dribble pull-up, two dribble pull-up, that mid-range shot, because that, in my opinion, that is a huge part of the game. If you could do one offense or one defense, what would you do? Well, I mean, I've always kind of been the same coach my whole time, so offensively we're a uh we're a ball screen offense team and uh defensively we have always been you know a man to man that's just kind of how i am what's your what's how do you defend ball screens so i like to tell my players that whatever we're doing we're doing as a team a lot of them like to debate well i could have gotten over i could have gotten under so we pretty much do the same thing we're we're going over as much as we possibly can obviously if it's a really great shooter you know we're trying to lock and trail and then on the other end if um depending on the situation who we're playing we'll try i've been trying to teach icing the ball screens at you know, because I'm getting higher level players right now. So icing is not easy and it certainly leaves a lot up for error. I have some very athletic guards and posts um, that can do that sort of thing. So we have been icing, icing those screens a little bit, which has helped us, you know, prevent getting switched into all sorts of bad situations. Yeah. And the switch isn't as big a deal at the high school level. I don't think it's right. first of all, because half of them can't post pass really matter. You're sitting in a gym in July watching a summer AU tournament with 8 billion kids. First of all, I don't know how you guys do it. Everyone can pick out the top kid like in tryouts. I can pick out the top. Michael Jordan walks in. I can pick out him. I can even pick out the top 10 kids. But after that, it seems like noise to me because you're not getting the top kid because the top kids go in a D2 or D1 offer probably. Right. You have to you have to work your way down. That's what I don't know how you do it. It's like it looks like all those seven kids all look the same. So my question it to you is what do you look for in a recruit? I think there's a few things. Like generically, what do we look for? Generically, I want to see how do you interact with your teammates. You know, someone always told me, watch how they interact with their parents. If they'll talk to their parents one way, you won't be surprised if they talk to you that way in practice when they come play for you. You know, what is their body language like in warm-ups? You know, is are their 
headphones off and they're warming up with the team or do they have AirPods on or Beats on and they're they're warming up with their team but they can't hear anything going on around them? Uh, do they jog into timeouts? All that kind of stuff. Body language is extremely important for us. And do they, how many possessions do they take off? That I'm always curious to watch. Like, is she just going to take off this possession and, and not get back because she needs a break or is she going to, you know, get a sub, come back and not take off any? Well, those are, you know, some of the, the fundamental basic things. But when I, when I really look specifically I'm looking to see defensively, can you keep your position? If I bring you in, can you guard, you know, one, two, three in my league, if that's your position or, or if you're a post, can you guard four and five? So I watch that very carefully. Can you keep the ball in front of you? Can you, are you able to, obviously, like we just talked about, are you able to switch screens? Are you able to go under? Do you fight over? You know, do you recognize, you know, the type of player you're playing against and learn from your mistakes? So, okay, you go under and she steps back and hits a three two times on you. So what should your next move be? It probably should not be to drop under the screen. So I look for that IQ stuff and then, I also am very careful about, I don't think you need to have the perfect shot form. A lot of coaches will tell you if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I, everybody shoots the ball different Jamal way. Jamal Wilkes used to shoot this way, but the perfect, here's what I tell, this is the math teacher in me. The perfect form will allow you to take less shots to perfect. The bad right. form is just going to take you more time. You got the worst form in the world. If you sit and shoot eight hours a day for seven years, you're going to be able to shoot. It's going to take you longer. So form is, I, like my son, I, I, I said this in a podcast, when he was younger he had a little dip you know he'd get the ball he'd dip and then he'd shoot well you know i left it because he wasn't strong enough and then i think it was between his freshman and sophomore year it's like all right we got to break this whole thing down because you're just not gonna be able to get the shot off at the next level because right. you're just giving the defense too much time so we had to tweak it but it wasn't like i didn't like elbow has to be like i don't care if his elbow's out a little bit you know all that stuff i think people worry about that too much sometimes yeah i mean we can correct a lot of it in practice right. on a shooting right. machine and a right. shooting drill and we can change some of the stuff you know backspin on the ball or shot yeah. arc we can be yeah. as specific as we want so i'm just looking to see can you know can you get a shot up taking smart shots and, and can you defend your position then i think i'm telling you that is that is the difference between a really good d3 player and a d1 player the d1 player like you know you better be able to keep you got to be able to defend it's like the nba you got to i got to be able to defend you like i got to right. be able to stop you yes we got to do help side we got we got to do all our man defensive i mean shoot i'm in wisconsin everyone knows pack line it originated here the bennett's and the and bo ryan so don't worry about pack line but you better be able to keep that person in front of you and that i think that's what parents don't really understand sometimes your son or daughter is really good but they can't defend at that level if they, they can't defend at that level they can't play because you're not going to gimmick coach k ain't going to gimmick roy williams they're not going to gimmick <laughs> you're always trying to find a way you know we're all coaches are always running you know whether it's complex or simple offenses they kind of try find ways to free up their better players. So right. you need to be able to find a way to read situations and, and lock down to be able to be an effective player at the next level. And then think consistency. That is a big deal for me. Are you consistent? It comes in a lot of layers. Are you a consistent shooter or can you be a consistent? Are you a consistent defender? Are you consistent in your hustle? Because I always tell my kids, if you're inconsistent, number one, it's bad habits and inconsistency leads to those bad habits, but also it's an indicator that you've got a lot of work to do to, you know, break those things and become a better player. Like my point guard shooting, you know, 20% is not consistent enough. She's got to be a higher percentage shooter. You know, we work on that and she's done an excellent job of fixing that scenario and improving. You know, I'm not asking a kid to come in as a 40%, you know, in the post. No, not by all means, not, not where right. we are, but I am asking them to that to be a goal of theirs to work on being more consistent. And I don't know if you agree with this, but everybody can be a shooter i'm not sure everyone can be a score everyone can get out you can get on a machine and you can become a shooter like if you take enough shots you can become a shooter 
it doesn't mean you're going to get the shot off. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to be a scorer. But most kids can become shooters if they put the time in, in my opinion, especially with the yeah. machine right now. I think kids can learn how to shoot better. I think they can improve their shooting. I think when it comes down to it, you know, the better shooters with the quick release and the form, those are really who are the ones that rise above and, and are consistent. Oh, they, and they're unique. They are definitely unique. So what's what do you consider your strengths and your weaknesses as a coach? I think strengths as a coach, you know, one of the things is organization and, you know, attention to detail. I watch a lot of film on ourselves. I watch a lot of film on our opponents. More so on ourselves just because we're at the junior college level and I need to understand what I affect our players and everything like that. But I also do like to watch a lot of film prepare us to win. Um, and I think, you know, offensively, I've always been a great offensive coach um, in teaching kind of how to improve your offense. And like I spoke about consistency, um, areas that I'd like to improve. Um, I've always been a pressing guy. So you know, during this quarantine, I have spent hours and hours and hours on working with different coaches at different levels on specific presses that I've run. Um, I've also, I'm a big ball screen offense guy. Um, so I spent time working with some of the coaches at different what divisions. Pre what presses? So I'm big on uh, one, two, two. Uh, two, two, one. Um, those are the two that I like to see. At, at least I find a, as a stall. And then you or fall back to man. Then we do. We do both. We'll fall back to man, or depending on who we're playing, we have to. We'll go into a zone, a matchup zone, or something like that. So are you? Are you? Are your players tend to be long and athletic? I wouldn't say long. We didn't have any height our first year, so. Uh, uh, but our we have very aggressive and athletic defenders. Maybe so the one three one we do, but I, it leaves too much open in the corner. And in our league, you've got some very, very, very talented shooters who you know will just make you pay too quickly. So and I don't like you know with our limited height, I try not to isolate. Yeah, too you much gotta you gotta have a little you gotta have a little length. That's why I asked about the length. If you got some length, yeah. you can trap that corner too, and they ain't gonna get it. Like right um, with the one two two, my point guard can pretty much funnel anybody up the floor into a trap, and I like that. And I also like that like too. Reducing the amount of time players have on the shot clock to just get through their stuff. So it's a stall. Yeah, and the thing with the one-two-two and the two-two-one, you can do stunts out of it where I'm just trying to take clock off, or I'm trying. Yeah, I mean the one-three-one's a different beast. It's more of a, yeah. a change-up. Um, you gotta, you, and if you got, if you got like for the guys' side, if you got a bunch of six high school, if you're like six-four, six-five long guys, you can't see angles because you don't necessarily trap. You gap them so they can't get close enough to make the pass. That's right. why I asked if you were long. What do you think the hardest thing to teach it? That's a tough question, but also a really good question. I actually <laughs> might ask that question next time I talk to somebody. Today. I think the toughest thing to cheat to teach in basketball, I don't think it's on. I don't think it's a specific fundamental. Like I think teaching pivot foot, you know, and stuff like that. It's training, hard. You can. It's yeah. hard, but it can be done. When it comes to teaching IQ, you've got to try a lot of different things. Specifically, you've done a lot of work with my guards in, I want them to be able to get an inbounds pass, look up the floor and see, okay, it looks like they're in a two, be able to recognize what's in front of them or, you know, to be able to start to be able to read different things offensively. Like, oh, I know that if they're hedging, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell them. And I'm going to tell them in timeouts and scouts, pre-games and halftime talks and everything like that. But I think your ability as a player to be able to read what is happening, understand the different things you can do and not be very robotic is really important. Like if you notice that every time you set a ball screen on our guard, even though it's not within our offense, they're their switch is, is giving you a great post up, then we got to go to that. And then I'll tell you to, but the ability to recognize that quickly and do it on your own or find the, you know, if you're coming up to the slot, if we're on the weak side and you're flashing 
in the slot and that's working to stay with it and do it. Finding those reads is really difficult to teach kids who are used to coming out of just a regular system. So. What I have found is there's different types of learners too. Like that's what you have to realize as a teacher because coaches are teachers is some kids are visual ones. They need to see tape. They need to watch tape and tape. Other kids need to read things and see things or some kids actually need to physically do. I mean, they all learn. That's the hard part um, as a coach and a teacher is you got to figure out what makes Susie or Johnny tick and then you got to right. feed the monster. Like I'm a film guy. I love watching film. So give me film and I like reading too, but I, I think I remember things better if I see it. Like you going through those drills, boom, those are in my brain now. Um, Cause I saw it. If you'd have, if you'd have just said it, it'd have been a little bit harder for me. Um, so I think that's, I think that I, I would agree coach. You're the first person to say that, but I think that is really hard to, that's a hard skill, hard thing to teach. And it's not necessarily an X and O. Um, right. Is there one, is there one coaching moment that we could dive into for the listeners that they could learn something? Is there a moment, a, a, you know, a failure, a success, something that would, that the listeners would, that we could dive into a little deep. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about, about you know situationally and in, uh, in a game and, and anything kinda... anything you think that would be beneficial for a coach listening just that's that's why I kind of leave it open ended everyone kind of goes down a different road with this question you know what I would also I would talk about especially I'm not you know could be assistants head coaches listening so I think for younger coaches and, and more and I learned this too is like let's talk real quick about anticipation me as a head coach you know when I'm on the sideline I already I'm I'm instructing on what's going on but my brain is two, three possessions ahead of where I'm at. Not too far to the point where I don't have, I'm not focused on the moment. Anticipation is extremely important. Like in my head, you know, I see the offense doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, or my point guard, you know, being able to come off the screen, hit the roller, pull up, take a shot. So if that doesn't happen, or, you know, she turns off, turns the ball over and gets back in transition, and now the score changes, or, you know, now they start doubling her. Like I'm always anticipating different things and how we can react. I think that, you know, one of the things that's important and I find it really important is making sure that your best assistant coaches, and this is why I attribute the ability to be where I am. And I'm so grateful to be a head coach right now. And hopefully I'll continue to have success, continues to grow. But I attribute that ability to being able to anticipate for as an assistant coach, anticipate and then talk to my head coach about what's going to happen. We could have this conversation. I had a call a couple, two weeks ago where some, a friend of mine called and said, you know, I, I think I'm uh, you know, moving on from one of my assistants. You know, you know, when you were, you were a great assistant when you were young, Jeremy, like how would you have approached the situation? I entered the situation. He said, you know, I went in at halftime and I said to my team, we're going to, we're going to go to this because this is the new plan and this is what I'm confident. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please subscribe and like uh, no matter where you listen to podcasts, whether you're jogging, walking the dogs, walking the kids, playing at the pool, uh, go over and subscribe. Apple would be great. Five star. If you're going to do a two star, don't do it. Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, we would also love if you went over to teachubes.com. It's what allows us to keep the lights on here and keep things at chugging. Um, so go over and check that out. 14 day free trial. Uh, you know, everyone's got to work on their game and their craft, come over and help us. And then the last thing is if you're thinking of, um, looking for other podcasts, go over and check out high school hoops, um, and teacher side gig. Those are two other ones. And we, we might have a fourth one in the, in the tank, but we'll, we'll tease you on that one. All right, let's head back to the podcast. When the two of them walked out of the locker room, his assistant said to him, that's not going to work. He said, why? And um, the assistant said, it's just not going to work. He said to me, what would your reaction? And I said, first of all, if you're going in at halftime and you're drawing something up on the board without asking, it more than likely means that you just spent the last quarter, if not the entire quarter, thinking about that as everything was unfolding. So you right. already in your mind 
have a plan of what you're drawing. So I'm not going to do anything to mess with you. Now, as an assistant, if I am going to address what you just changed, I'm going to have a solution. And I attribute this all to J.R. Fredet, who was my guy, my head coach at Albertus Magnus College. I was his assistant. He used to tell, he used to come in the office at like nine in the morning and we'd be getting ready to go play St. Joe's of Maine, you know, two days later. And uh, we ran this hybrid uh, defense, kind of like a shell box, like zone defense matchup. And uh, he used to say to me, Jeremy, what'd you do last night? I, 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 well, you know, I went home and I watched film. I said, all right, fine. So tell me how St. Joe's and Maine can beat our, and so I would have to be able to draw up different things that they did to show him. So when my friend said to me, you know, Hey, what would you have reacted? I said, you know, to be honest with you, if I thought it couldn't work, I would have come up to you after halftime and said, Hey coach, I understand where you're going, but if they do, for example, if they run a high low against what you just draw, or if they go into a one, three, one, their runner, they put the, they take their big girl and put her at the top. It's going to stop what you're drawing. Always having a solution and always, yeah. you know, anticipating what's coming is how you're an effective coach, either it, as a head coach or an assistant. It's so hard. People don't understand you're not a baseball coach. Like baseball coaches, think about how much time they have to think during a baseball game. Basketball coaches. So as my, and I always meet my assistants before we go in anyway, I want input because I'm going to, and this is what I tell the young coaches, you want to find a place where you're in, I don't take all the input they give. I've got three assistants, but I want their input. Like, this is working. This isn't working. Think about this. Think about this. And then I decipher it. It's like I'm the I'm the code breaker, and they're just giving me all the information. And they're giving me solutions, and they're saying, ooh, you know, this kid's really killing us from three. The one, three, one won't work. That corner isn't I'm like, okay, you know, then I'll either cross it off or I'll stick with it. But I think you're right. My reaction would have been, well, if you don't think it's going to work, what do you think is that? My reaction would have been, okay, you don't think it's going to work. What do you think is going to work? And why as we're walking so that, that's, that's what, my point yeah that's I what i would have so said important. it's like okay you don't think it's gonna work give me a re give me a reason it's not gonna work right i want a solution gonna work? i want a solution <laughs> i want a reason and i want a solution if, if you don't think it's gonna work that's great in my head i already see it unfolding a certain way Right. So if you don't believe in what I got, that's fine. Because and, that and, and when you've coached long enough, that's literally the discussion I would have had. It wouldn't have been mad. It would have been, okay, you don't think it's going to work? What do you think is going to work and why? And then we would have had that discussion walking out of the tunnel. We would have stayed with what I was going to do. But then all of a sudden, if that's not working, then I would have gone, you know, Kevin said this might work okay, let's try that. Just saying it's not going to work. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, there's plenty of things that I was thinking about that are not going to work. I already know I can, that. Right. I can tell you that yeah. I could put four people on the court. That's not going to work. It right. doesn't help me. Exactly. Like I, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's a, you know, especially if you're listening and you're a young coach, you know, right. Your input, just because someone doesn't take your input. And I was an assistant for a long time. Just because right. someone doesn't listen, doesn't mean I'm listening. Trust process. me. I tell my coaches right. that all the time. I'm hearing you. There's all, there can only be one captain. That's the problem. It's like someone has to finally make it decision or there's gonna be mass chaos and i i love you know my assistants have always done a great job and i trust my assistants if they say you know hey, i think we need to be going to this thing you know if it feels right and you have a feel for the game and you're on the same page by all means so so, so here not? this is this is let me lead into this question so i'm at the point in my career where i probably talk 30 percent of practice so what do you because i have assistants that i just trust i have an assistant that can run our offense i have another assistant that does our like scouts i i mean i just i have trust that's what happens when you get a good staff you know, early in my career, I was probably talking 90% of the time when, when things had to be discussed. How, how do you run practices at your level with your assistants? And what, what responsibilities do they have? More than likely, I, I've always, you know, at this level, younger assistants, it's a great opportunity for them to break in and get the as much hands-on experience. So I do find myself, I don't do, I do the majority of talking, no question. So I'm, I'm definitely not, you would say I'm not at a point where I'm able to do 
100%. But I think that where my players and my program kind of have, there's a standard is that, you know, I'll, I will, you know, I'll, I like my assistants to be creative. If any of them can come up to me with, you know, hey, I got a great chill or hey, I got something up. Like I'm all for it. Let's run it in practice and see what we get. Any idea is a good idea if, if you think it can help us get better. You know, my assistants have the leeway to say, hey, I, you know, we've been doing a lot of this. I think this drill can help. So well, no, let's do it. I, you know, my, I try to, with working with a lot of my assistants, some of what head coaches have done for me is, you know, put me in charge of the scout team and say, hey, you know, learn right. this film, run this stuff. And that's always great, you know, and I, I'm grateful to have had coaches who have let me learn like that. So I try to do the same thing. But when it comes to like controlling the sets and substitutions, I personally, I think my assistants, like my, my assistants have a very good feel for the game. So I have no problem if they tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, so-and-so has got to come out for so-and-so. Right. They're tired and stuff. I I mean, I do all the subs and I do all that, but they'll say, Hey, Joe's dying out there, coach. And I'll, and usually I'm watching faces. That's where I can kind of tell. I've done it long enough that it's, Ooh, they need a, they need to blow. They're just not with it, you know, other than the X and O part. But I love that. I think that's a great thing for assistants to do. I mean, you know. Yeah, and I had, when I was with Jamie Angeli at City College, you know, he was more in a place where he had, our whole staff was pretty solid. So we had one guy that ran our substitutions. I ran the press defense and the, uh, in our, on our half court defense where he kind of coached the, you know, he was in charge of what the offense was, the overall scheme. Obviously, if there was adjustments made, but he had me for defense and he had our other assistant coach for, uh, you know, for our some of our offensive sets for quick hitters and uh, stuff like that. So I think that, you know, it's all about trust. Again, you know, it goes back to relationship. You know, with my assistants, I think it's so important. Like, I believe in them. I believe that they are, if they're around enough and they're working hard enough, they understand what I'm trying to do. Then you have to give them opportunity. I'm not one that, you know, I don't want my assistants standing quietly at practice and not talking. Right. And the thing is, that, and this is probably a little different at your level, but I'm always looking for someone that's looking for another, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking for another job after you, you know, they probably don't right. want to be an assistant for 35 years. That's good. So your point is you're kind of like the old uh, blacksmith. You're trying to teach them how to, how to, sh- how to put the shoes on the horses kind of thing so that they can go open their own blacksmith store kind of you're it's, it's an apprentice at the college level almost in a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you yeah. a funny story about Jamie Angeli real quick. So when I was with Jamie, when I first started with him, you know, he obviously had his stuff that he would say and whatnot. You know, I'd be, you know, on one side of the court, you know, kind of coaching defensive part of a drill or whatever it may be. And if he felt like I wasn't talking enough, he had, he had two plans. He'd either walk by me and you know, mumble something that I probably shouldn't share on the air. Right. Let me know that it was time to start talking and get louder or he'd, or he'd put me on the spot. He'd right. Be, you know, he'd, He'd stop the drill and be like, all right, Jeremy, make the, you know, what are we going to do to adjust this? You know, makes you, it keeps you tuned in. It keeps you locked in. And I'm so lucky to have a guy like him as a mentor and as a friend. And, and he taught me so much about what it meant to be a good assistant yeah. along with JR. Finding, you know? finding mentors is another side note. Coach, young coaches should go find, go find your mentors. That's so important. This is a great time to do it. It is. It is. It's a great time. All right. So I'm going to do my rapid fire with you, Coach. So, which is, I ask quick questions. They usually tend to be one or two sentences answer. First of all, do you have any superstitions? During the national anthem, at the end of every national anthem, I close my eyes and pray for good health and, uh, and, Pray for a competitive game. I ask for both those things before every game. I, I mean, I haven't. I think everybody has an. I I start moving at home. It's like there's like <laughs> people will know. Like that's when I start moving. It's like that word home comes, and then and my son just graduated, so him and I would always give him a whack in the back. Um, so it was like a little love pat. It, it, it's fun to have those. I think they're fun. Um, favorite brand of basketball, like the ball you use to Spalding. Okay, why? Don't yell, my uh, Spalding because it's yeah. our game ball. I mean, game uh, ball. Nothing better than having your game ball in your hand. No, I think.
I think that's true. Uh, one word to describe your ideal player. One sporting event in the entire world, what would you go to and why? I just hate that. That might be the worst question I ask when I do rapid fires. People hate that one because there's so many yeah, good ones. Depends on a lot of things. I'm, I won't get into the details. Like I've been to a couple Super Bowls in my life and I've been to some NBA championships. The Super Bowl so, doesn't appeal to me. I mean, I'm a pack, obviously a Packer fan. That one's not on my list, actually. I've been to a few Super Bowls. I've actually been to a couple of really good ones. I've been to the, all the ones that the Patriots won just by chance. I, I was at all of those. I was at the, the Rams-Titans one where he reached out for the goal line. Nice. I was at uh, the Lakers when they were in Orlando. I was there when they won the – when they beat Orlando. Yeah. Uh, but one event, to be honest with you, I've been to a cricket match in South Africa. I'm trying to think of if there's one thing I could do. I would like to be – I say this all the time, and, I, and maybe during this quarantine I'll have the opportunity. I would like the opportunity not for – let's say sporting – if it's sporting event, you know, stick me at the uh, – the March Madness, it, like I love going to the two games, the Big East tournament, seeing two in the afternoon, two in the evening. The if Final I Four is fun. I took my son to the Final Four last year. That was so much fun. That was great. That's my favorite sporting yeah. event, I have to say. If I could be anywhere. If you would allow me, if I could be at any sporting event, I want to sit in the coaches meeting, you know, with Nick Saban and watch him do a uh, staff meeting before practice with 40 coaches and, and how they go over it. Favorite pregame meal? Oh, that's a no-brainer. It's uh, pasta, marinara sauce, very bland, plain and simple. Uh, one skill not being taught in today's game? I'll go with mid-range. Uh, one thing you do to relax? Sheesh, I feel like I'm always basketball all the time, all the way around. I think spending time with my grandmother and my dog. My grandmother's not from, she's from South Africa and she moved here. She's just started to understand the game of basketball. So so I love spending time with her. How is she? Is she, is she good? Is she quarantined and healthy? Yeah, she's she's fantastic. She's doing great. She lives just a couple blocks from where I live, and she's doing great. Good. So awesome. It's good. Um, Thank you. I know. Uh, do one coaching technique you consider important? Using your timeouts effectively. I'm going to go to heaven, if I go to heaven, with a lot of timeouts because I need them at the end. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm, Absolutely. Very rarely will there be – will I not have any with – I mean, several with a couple minutes to go because I think they're so valuable at the end. Our rule is – and I don't know. Our rule is – this is what I hate is loose ball. Here's our rule in our program. Loose ball, you're going to get it. It's a scrum, man, and we're not calling a timeout. And, he, and, I, and the reason is we know that we're not calling a timeout. Right. So my guys know that if there's a ball, that you better move toward it because the guy that's getting it is going to look to give it to somebody. They're not going to grab it and take that timeout 30 seconds into the game and burn one of my timeouts. That's actually it, a great idea. It has built a, it has built, it, it has helped us so much because it's an advantage for us. It's caught, it's caused them to go after the ball. And then, you know, I said, I'll call one if it's the fourth, you know, the end of the end of the game and we need one or I'll call it. Don't worry about it. But you go get it. And then we've got layups and stuff because we know we're going to get it. Um, and you're not 100%. burning it. Uh, Best, best basketball player you have seen in person? Michael Jordan. Okay. Best basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, the one thing you help you become a better coach? Being around the right people. And how did that happen? That happened from putting myself in positions where I, ha I would have to be uncomfortable and, and make a, find a way to get comfortable. Learning how to have uncomfortable conversations and learning how to have difficult conversations and challenging yourself to be comfortable in situations you normally wouldn't be comfortable. Pause the, pause the podcast. Rewind that, all you young coaches. Listen to that about three times because that's, that's, the, that's, a, that's the, one of the many golden nuggets, but that's a golden nugget right there because sending emails, sending resumes, sending all that stuff is not going to open up doors. I forgot who I was talking to. Um, it was a, it was an NBA coach. 
And he goes, if you knew how many resumes I got, Steve, everybody I've ever hired, I've had a relationship. I've known them or someone knew them or somebody, you know, um, that's what they don't understand. It's like, you know, right. um, no, one I thing agree. that, uh, best game uh, you've seen in person. Basketball? Doesn't matter. Best basketball game I've seen in person. Um, I'm a diehard Seton Hall fan. I grew up a Seton Hall fan. We had season tickets when I was younger, dating back to like the Eddie Griffin, Darius Lane days. Um, I can't think of a specific one. I'll say, actually, I have it on my wall. April 20th in 1996, second to last game of the year for the Chicago Bulls in their 72-win season. I get a chance to fly out to Chicago and see the game. Michael Jordan misses a shot with 10 seconds to to tie the game, to take the lead by two. Bulls foul with three seconds left, and the Pacers hit two free throws, uh, make one of two free throws to win 199. I fly back to New York. The next day, they win number 72. The only game I saw that Bulls season was them losing to the Pacers pretty much at the buzzer. That's the best game I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, they. I, I, it's so interesting because I have an 18-year-old eight, an in the house, and they just – I don't think they really understand Michael. I mean, I think they do, but they – I think Last Dance is helping a little bit. But You know what a um, close second was is I – I was at David Cohn's perfect game for the New York Yankees. And that was something like the intensity that you feel and the pressure that you're witnessing on an individual to compete at a high level under extreme exhaustion, heat, and those circumstances mentally. That was something that will always stick with me yeah. as well. The, um, uh, favorite quote. Favorite quote. I think he sent me one. I remember. I can find it. I could tell you. I think. It's tough. I have two. Okay, you can. I'll you. give you two. I'll, I'll I'll open up the I'll open up the vault and give you two. Um, no, so I just have one actually. Okay. Um, uh, it's be where your feet are. Um, and that to me means so much. It's you know someone told me and I live by this. Like, job that I'm at right now, that's my Yukon. That's my right. You know, that's me living the. The, my best life and coach Lynn Dunn said it on a on a podcast and she said be where your feet are and do your very best at the place that you are and treat it like it's your dream job and for me it, it where I'm at is my dream job right now and so every day you know I got an office and I go into it and I, I love being there and I love coaching who they let us so again safe, all the young coaches down. rewind that and listen to that because when you go to the final four and you go to and, you, and you're a member of the NABC and you watch all these young coaches, they all look like they're unhappy. They all look like they're trying to find the next job, which I get is part of that game, especially at the D1 level. But I even see it from the D3 assistant. The grass isn't always greener. Learn where you're at. If you're good, they're going to find you. If you're LeBron, they're going to find you. If you know what you're doing and, you're, and, you, you, know, and you make connections, people will find you. So, um, yeah, I think people are always looking for that next gig. And that's one of the reasons I haven't left my job. It's like, it was a horrible program. We turned it around. Why would I leave? Like, this is part of, it's a great job. I mean, it's. Yeah, you know. and you got to know what makes you happy. You yeah. Know? I think that yeah. when when you find it, you got to, you know, you got to right. do your best. Well, and I didn't want to spend my 30s and 40s, you know, in gyms in summer. And, you know, that's, that was the decision. I wanted to be there for my kids. Top, uh, best basketball coach of all time. My favorite basketball coach and then i have my okay. i'm gonna say greg popovich he's probably the best basketball coach of all time everything i've read about greg pop and everything that i've read you know i think it's unbelievable i do i read a lot about jay wright too he's pretty amazing himself uh, pop everything i've learned about popovich 
is is amazing. I would agree. I would agree. One one book you would recommend? Uh, that's a great segue. Jay Wright's Attitude. One thing that you do to become a better coach? Make sure I learn something every day. Okay. And the last thing is one thing you would tell a young coach? I would say that I kind of like back to the quote is you know be where your feet are, but do the very best at where you are. Be the best at whatever your responsibilities are. Be the best at whatever you're given to do. Master that craft and don't look far beyond that because number one you you know I look back now on my career as an assistant and I had some great memories and maybe they I wasn't living the dream in each moment but I was happy to be where I was so it was you know I, I embraced it but you know mastering everything that you're taught before moving on to something else will make you a better coach once you finally you know find the place you want to be I, I that's a great that's a great last question thank you coach I really appreciate it I really do thank you thank you thank you so much for having me I appreciate yep. it hey everybody I hope you're enjoying the podcast make sure you subscribe like um, we love those um, and send me an email Steve at teachhoops.com tell me what you want to hear in the future also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better have a great day social podcast network hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.